0: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
1: Welcome into the Nightcap here on WGR. Zach Jones along with you for the next hour or so. NFL week 1 is officially behind us. Thursday night we will see the Chiefs and the Chargers take out each other because the AFC West is going to be a grudge match. So whoever loses that game immediately is going to feel the effects of it. That's going to be on Amazon Thursday night, 8:15 kickoff. Should be interesting how that how the ratings look for that now that we're getting officially to the streaming services front of all games should be very, very interesting, but I don't want to, I don't want to look at week two just yet. I, I, I want to stick on week one. I want to let that marinate because typically I'm one of those people. I, I, I try not to look at week one almost at all. I'll look at the records. I know they count, but for the most part, I just, every result to me is like nullified. It's, Oh, well, this was week five of the preseason. You know, some of these guys haven't played, You know, some teams will absolutely lay an an egg who wind up going 12 and 4, 13 and 3 in years past, stuff like that. But I do think we learned quite a bit from week one this year in terms of just, you know, teams that had high expectations. Did they meet them? Teams that had low expectations, did they meet them? Players, personnel, all that stuff. I think we actually learned quite a bit. And I want to start with last night's game, the Monday night game between the Seattle Seahawks and the Denver Broncos. Seattle ultimately wins that game, somewhat in stunning fashion. I mean, the Broncos were almost a touchdown favorites, or well, they were a touchdown favorite, six point favorite, and they lose seventeen to sixteen. If you listen to the show with the Bulldog, or if you've been on Twitter at all, but if not, I'll let you know. Nathaniel Hackett, the Broncos head coach, met with the media today after. The team lost, and he went for a 64-yard field goal for the win. It was 4th and 5. They could have absolutely tried to get a first down there to make it an easier kick, to even just keep driving. They had three timeouts, I think with a minute 20, and they just let time click off the clock. Tick, 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 and just let it go. And if you watch the Manning cast... Over on ESPN as well, you'll know Eli Payton and uh, Shannon Sharp were almost irate. Payton was just deadpanned the entire time of just almost being in disbelief at how poor the decision-making was. Because I don't think it was bad clock management. It was just poor coaching. Their plan was to kick that field goal. And Nathaniel Hackett spoke with the Denver media today and basically immediately outright said he regretted it. I'll play that clip in just a few moments. But he outright regretted it, saying that the team should have gone for it on fourth down, that it would have been the right decision. The problem with that is everyone knew that, and everyone knew that at the moment. This is not something that comes out and, you know, it's, well, you know, everyone's saying that now when they saw he missed the kick, he could have made the kick. Watching that game last night, to me, the kick doesn't matter. Them losing is the correct outcome. For the way they played. They played like garbage. They never looked prepared. They looked lost. They couldn't get plays off quickly. There was no semblance of structure. On a team that for the entire offseason. The NFL world has been told. They're just a quarterback away. And now they've got an offensive head coach. In Nathaniel Hackett. They're just going to be to the moon. In terms of how talented they can be. And sure they suffered a few injuries. Tim Patrick stuff like that, but you know, the offense is still great. Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Javante Williams, Albert O at tight end. I mean, they have a semblance of really, really good talent on offense. They just need that quarterback. Yesterday it showed. Uh, sure, but you need to actually look like you're prepared to play the game. And the decision at the end of the game to not have your $250 million quarterback Go out there and make a play, extend a drive, make the field goal that much easier to win a game in hostile territory in which Seattle wanted blood. Even former teammates of Russell Wilson were furious at him. They they wanted they wanted the Broncos to lose more than literally anything. We'll get to that in in, in a minute, too. I, I do want to talk about you know Russell Wilson being booed and stuff like that. But real quick, here is Nathaniel Hackett with the media earlier talking about well, his fourth down decision.
0: You know, looking back at it, we definitely should have gone for it. Um, Just not, not, you know, one of those things you look back at it and you say, of course we should go for it. We missed the field goal. Um, But in that situation, we had a plan. I mean, we had a plan. We knew that the 46 was the mark. Uh, We were third and 15, I think, third and 13. I'm more upset about that play before it to lose yards, to be able to, you know, getting that there would have... Definitely uh, been better to be able to call that same play and get extra yards. But um, he dumps it out to Javante. Javante makes a move, goes a lot farther than I think we had anticipated. We were expecting to go for it on fourth down. And then you hit the mark. I just don't,
1: don't get it. It sounds more like, I mean, of course, he immediately says, we should have gone for it. Then he sort of justifies the decision of why they kicked a field goal. My problem was, is you didn't set your team up well enough to actually have a easy win scenario there. Look, plays didn't go your way, and it is 4th and 5. But it's a 64-yard field goal. Your kicker's best is 62, 61? So it's not even like, well, I mean, he's kind of done this before. Eh, not really. And I believe McManus made that kick in Denver. With the altitude that Denver affords to you. It just made no sense to me. Denver looked lost out there. You saw it in the power rankings today with showing the Bulldog as well. We had them falling in a free fall. Mike has been big on the Denver Broncos. He got off them last week just off a feeling, but it turned out to be Notre Dame's level because they look terrible. But this is the feeling I had with Denver going into the season as well. There's there's something not right. I said it could be just Russell Wilson kind of being a bit of a weirdo. That doesn't really stick. I'll be honest. I mean, he's still a great quarterback. I still think he's a Hall of Famer, and I'd still probably love to have him on my team if Josh Allen was not my quarterback. Or was it Nathaniel Hackett? And now we're starting to see as a Doug Marone disciple, maybe it's Hackett, because that was—it's not cowardly. It's just—it's not a move you make in the NFL in 2022, not when you've paid over 200 million dollars for a quarterback when you've told people all off season or you've heard all offseason that all you needed was a quarterback. That's all this team needed. You're not going to win games against the Chargers and the Chiefs. They go for kill strikes. They look to put you down early. And if Denver even remotely plays like they did against the Seattle Seahawks, who still, to me, did not play that well. They won 17-16. to 16. They were shut out in the second half. Geno Smith played solid really good in the first half though. I I I want to make that mention now. Geno Smith looked awesome in the first half. It was I, it, that was a lot of fun to watch. As someone that really liked Gino in high school or in college and just kind of felt bad for him to wind up with the Jets being a second round pick. I I thought he was probably the most talented quarterback of that group. It was awesome to see him kind of light up Denver a little bit that first half. He finished the night 23 or 28 195 yards and two touchdowns. And a lot of that kind of came down to just Denver's defense kind of closed up a little bit, and, and Seattle's still not a talented team. Rashad Penny is awesome, but after that, you kind of you, you lose a little bit in terms of how much talent Seattle actually has, but Denver just, all the expectations just went out the window. Denver's season now, after that game, and, and, and while well, I do respect Nathaniel Hackett coming out and very much taking the blame a bit, it's going to be remembered. Yes, it was an emotional game, and Seattle really, really wanted to beat Wilson. Y- y- you were a six-point favorite on a loaded team that should have run away with that game, and you didn't. And now the next week they play the Texans. I can't say they're just going to absolutely blow them out. They didn't with Seattle. They just didn't. And unlike teams like San Francisco, who's you know first you know the first real start of the Trey Lance era, their quarterbacks era, they lost. They were in a monsoon. It was. De- de- That's a game. Bills fans can absolutely acknowledge it. Kind of like the win game from last year against New England. You kind of look back, you're pissed. But you can kind of walk it back and go, look, if that's not there, we win. The San Francisco 49ers can pop, they could probably look at that game and go, I mean, if it was just like drizzling, we probably win that game, let alone, you know, a total monsoon that that the Bears game was. Cincinnati. Cincinnati to me and Denver kind of are in the same boat for me. Cincinnati was a 6 point favorite and they looked terrible. Joe Burrow looked like him being recovering from appendicitis maybe played a role into this. He looked off. His timing with his receivers did not look good. The O-line still looks bad even after they've retooled it a bit. And so for me two of the top teams in the AFC, two teams that you know as a Bills fan, you're kind of you're paying attention to, right? The Broncos or uh, the Bengals obviously went to the Super Bowl last year. They they won the AFC Championship game. You you have to look at them, especially with Burrow at quarterback, and the Broncos. They add Russell Wilson. They were already a pretty talented team before that. You, of course, you're looking at them, but both teams floundered in their return to the NFL. Just absolutely floundered it. So going through some of my other takeaways that I do want to talk about, that is one. Two premier AFC teams that, you know, you're going to, they're going to, I think they're going to be in the playoffs. I think as much as. Call from mom. Answer it.
0: Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game.
1: You have 47 new voicemails.
0: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
1: I put in my bold predictions I think Cincinnati can miss. I think it's far more likely they make it, especially with Pittsburgh. TJ Watt's going to be out about six weeks. Uh, Cleveland Browns won't have Deshaun Watson for most of the season. It's going to be Cincinnati and Baltimore just trading back and forth. I think the lead of that division, and ultimately whoever wins that division, it's going to be I think between those two teams. But then the Rams. I mentioned this yesterday. It was a little bit of a shorter show with Monday Night Football. But I mentioned yesterday that both Super Bowl participants, both the winner and loser, looked terrible. Week one, they didn't. Neither neither of them looked good. The Rams were shut out in the second half. They only scored ten points. Matt Stafford threw three picks. You go over to the AFC side. They lost. Joe Burrow throws four. He has five total turnovers. And ultimately, they still almost won, but I don't think a single Cincinnati fan sitting there going, even if they won that game in overtime, or sitting there going, oh, that went well. No, you leave that game with far more questions than answers. Where the Bills and the Chiefs, the you know, two of the other premier AFC teams, left with a lot of confirmations. There were not many really questions. It was just questions answered. Allen is still as good as advertised. The defensive line that the Bills retooled is just as good, if not better, as advertised. It's far better than last year when it was advertised as kind of a new line. The Von Miller effect is real. The rookie corners, not half bad. Gabe Davis, I think the expectations were about right. You go over to the Chiefs, how are they going to look without Tyreek Hill? Fine. They'll be fine. They may not be as explosive at times. They may run into some issues, but Mahomes throwing five touchdown passes in his first game without Tyree kill. Tells you quite a bit. Then their pass rush, Chris Jones, George Karloftis, the rookie out of Purdue got a ton of QB pressures on Kyler Murray. They look pretty good. They're going to have a bit of an issue though. Rookie Trent McDuffie, their first round cornerback. He goes on IR with a hamstring injury, but he'll be eligible to return in week six. Against the bills. So the two top teams in the AFC to me answered every question you had. Now it's just sort of keep, keep the car in motion, keep moving, keep rolling downhill because both the teams, once they get going, once they get momentum, they're a buzzsaw. Both of them are. That's why I've been, I've been banging the drum all off season. And pretty much since I've been at the station, it's, it's better already than, than Manning Brady it is already better. Because early on with Manning and Brady, it was Brady winning. And it was Manning being really good in the regular season, and it didn't even matter if it was regular season or postseason, was just got awful against the Patriots. Then he figured it out, and then it became a great rivalry. Once Manning actually started to get some wins under his belt in that rivalry, it became great. But before that, it was just the two best teams in the AFC, and one being very clearly better than the other, that being the Patriots. This, to me... Is already about a rivalry. Number one, the quarterbacks are the two best in their era. It's the same as May, it, is Manning and Brady, right? It's the same. They're, they're the two best quarterbacks of their group. And then Josh has already gotten a win over Mahomes. It took, I want to say, Manning six or seven tries, both regular season and postseason, to get a win over Brady. It took Josh three or t- or two. Josh won the third one. And he should have won the fourth. That's the thing, too. 13 seconds will be always remembered. Kind of as like their version of when Belichick went for it. Or the AFC Championship game in 06 where Manning gets his first Super Bowl. It might be remembered on those levels. But it was a great game. And ultimately, history will remember that game as Allen did everything in his ability to win it. He just didn't have the ball last. That's going to be it. Both those teams absolutely answered every question you had for them. That ultimately, they're the two best teams in the NFL. They are the two best quarterbacks in the NFL. Everyone else is playing catch-up. Colin Coward is someone I like to pay attention to, like to watch, see what he says and stuff like that. I know some people have you know their issues with him. For, for the most part, he is very much somebody I keep an eye on in terms of the national scope. He did his her hierarchy today. Top 10 teams, all that stuff. Chiefs were one, Bills were two. I have no issues with that. Today, on the reverse power rankings, Chiefs were two, Bills were one. No issue with that either. Because to me, it's absolutely pick your poison. And ultimately, if you looked at the Bills' first game and went, look, they had four turnovers and the Chiefs didn't. I, I can't argue with that. I cannot argue with that. The Bills played really, really sloppy in the first half. I'm not going to dispute that. But he had the Minnesota Vikings at third. A team I really like. I think the Minnesota Vikings are very, very good this year. I think they're absolutely going to win the NFC North. And week one proved it with their win over Green Bay. But man, if that's your third-ranked team, compared to the Bills and the Chiefs, the Super Bowl's the AFC championship game. Because the way I see it now, last year, not an enigma, not an anomaly, I wouldn't say that. Cincinnati had to have a historic run. And it also took the Chiefs having their worst second half of football I've seen under the Mahomes era for them to then win it in overtime to get to the Super Bowl, in which then they did lose to the Los Angeles Rams, who they themselves had somewhat of a miracle run to the Super Bowl. I think this year might be closer to the norm, where it will be a team like that's 12, 13 wins in the NFC, and then Bills or Chiefs representing the AFC with that being said, though, just off of week one, I trust the bills defense far more than the chiefs defense. And with that being said, though, the chiefs defense did not disappoint against the Cardinals. They handed a whooping to Arizona. That game was never close. And it was a marquee game for the four o'clock window. And it was never close at one point. The Chiefs were winning 37 to 7 in the third quarter. It was never a contest. And to be honest, if the Bills didn't turn over the ball four times, three times in the first half, you're likely looking at a very similar score to Bills Rams. And so, I mean, still, ultimately, the Bills won by what, 21 points? So it ultimately didn't matter. They still, you know, they also laid a whoop in. But on the AFC side, that's a big takeaway for me. The other team I think did really well, keeping with the AFC, I completely forgot to mention them, the Chargers and the Raiders. The Chargers to me, Khalil Mack looks good. I think both somewhat older edge rushers are going to play a big role on these two teams. Von Miller with the Bills, Khalil Mack with the Chargers. He looked good. Two sacks was just eating the Raiders' offensive line, just getting after it. And the Raiders... Glad you have Devonte Adams, but this is partially on my on my fault too. I, I bought into Derek Carr. I thought maybe he's just a little bit below elite. You know, he's he's real leader there. He galvanized that team. He got him behind him after all the crap they went through last year. Gruden, Rugs, Mayock, uh, they had one of their cornerbacks as well get arrested. I mean, just all of it, and he got him to the playoffs. And I thought. Man, they get Devontae Adams. He might be a guy that throws 35-plus touchdown passes this year. Lays an egg. Lays a complete egg. In a stadium, SoFi Stadium, that you're not necessarily the road team there. The Raiders have a bigger fan base in Los Angeles than the Chargers ever have. The Chargers have always been San Diego. The Raiders, as the nomad franchise of the NFL, has fans in Los Angeles. Their heyday, you can make an argument, was when they were in Los Angeles. They won Super Bowls in Oakland. They won Super Bowls in Los Angeles. And just Carr, 22-37, 295 yards, two touchdowns, three picks. All three picks were awful, all of them. He only puts up 19 points. Adams gets his, but he was targeted 17 times. 10 catches, 141 yards, and a touchdown. Look, Adams is the best receiver in football. It's him and Justin Jefferson to me. I, I Jefferson... At this point, he's going to start breaking records that I thought would never be broken. But in terms of having done it for a number of years, it's Devontae Adams. He's going to get his, but as you see, they put up 19 points. And the Chargers struggled with them a bit. There were points of the Raiders, if not for the car picks, could have really dug their way back into the game. And so that's where, for me, the Chargers are still just that leg below the Bills and Chiefs who just... The team kind of let up any sort of weakness, and they just attack them. They're like a pack of wolves, both teams. They sense any sort of weakness. They just go for the jugular, both of them. It's why so many fans and pundits pick them as the Super Bowl representative of the AFC and the eventual winner is because they just... As long as there's no injuries for the team, as long as there's not a drastic change for the Chiefs, you know their entire O-line being gutted, it's kind of the same for the Bills in that Jacksonville run where they lose to the Jags and a few more games after that they just don't look right. The offensive line was gutted. If that doesn't happen, the Bills probably wind up as a 13-win team. This year, they can likely wind up as a 13, 14, 15-win team. I believe Howard picks the Bills today Howard had him at 16 and 1. And it's not something that's out of the realm of possibility. It's just simply not. When you look at their schedule, and you look at some of the teams they play, and you can poke holes in most of them. They play Tennessee as we know, Monday night football, home opener. Deshaun Hand goes out for the Tennessee Titans for the year. That's another defensive lineman that they've lost, along with Harold Landry. And they just lost to the Giants, who I'm sorry, as much as I gave praise to Brian Dable yesterday, it's still not a good team. It's still a rebuild. And it was in Tennessee. It was at home. Ryan Tannehill looked as bad as many people think he will this year. So you get Tennessee at home, at Miami. Miami put up 20 points against the Patriots defense, which has looked gutted and did not look good then. It's just the Dolphins don't look that good at Baltimore. Baltimore somewhat struggled with the Jets. they did, and then they just lost Kyle Fuller to the year with a torn ACL, their number one slot cornerback. And even with the injury to Trey White, the fact that you know we're still going to be starting two rookies, or you know they're going to be rotating or and maybe even at that point we're going to have solidified either Kyler Elam or Christian Benford going to be the number two next to Dane Jackson, there isn't a Cooper Cup on that team. There just isn't. And their offensive line? Is, it's still injury riddle. It's still losing people. They couldn't run the ball against the Jets. They're going to do that against this D-line? Uh, probably not. Then you get Pittsburgh, who are going to be without T.J. Watt. The biggest problem that teams have with the Steelers is T.J. Watt. I would take the under in that. I think the Bills probably only score 24 points in that game. I don't see how Mitch Trubisky puts up 10 It took five turnovers for them to score twenty. Excuse me, twenty-three against the Bengals. They needed overtime to get that that twenty-three. Then you get Kansas City. I think at that point you could very well see Tre'Davious White on the field, and you also could see Trent McDuffie back for the Kansas City Chiefs. But I think that's that to me. It's after week one. It's not until October 16th against the Kansas City Chiefs and Arrowhead that, like, the Bills may really have their first loss. I've I've said it for a few weeks now. I I don't see the Baltimore game as as tough as many people do. I'm going to that one. I'm excited. It's gonna be my first road trip, and I do imagine the Bills are gonna kind of not run away with it. I just don't think it'll be a very close game. I think it'll a lot be like the Rams game where it's just man, Baltimore can't do much here. Like they're just the Bills are just that much better. First, you know you get Green Bay after that game. After I want to say the bye week in there. Green Bay looked terrible against the Vikings. Put up seven points. Christian Watson, a guy I'm huge on, drops an easy touchdown. And the rookies just don't look good. Romeo Dubs looks fine, but it's going to be a lot of swing passes to the running backs. They're going to get really have to get involved in the passing game. And this could be a down, down year for... The Packers, it just could. I think their defense is solid, but Justin Jefferson tore them up. So I can't sit here and totally say that they're going to be this great defense when Justin Jefferson absolutely annihilated them. So then after that, you get the Jets win. The Vikings, I do think, are a good team. I'm, I, I'm slowly starting to circle that game. It's at home, early November, 1 o'clock game, so it's kind of got to be headed away a little bit. I would beg to differ that that game, let me make sure I want to get the right week for that game. That game, uh, oh, one second. Yes, week 10, there we go. That could be the marquee 1 o'clock game. Because you look at the rest of that schedule, the 1 o'clock games, number one, you have a London game, or at least, yes, that's a London game. Oh, I'm sorry, no, it's a German game. That's uh, the Seattle Seahawks and Buccaneers. So that's at 9.30. Your one, your 1 o'clock windows: Lions-Bears, Broncos-Titans, Jaguars-Chiefs, Browns-Dolphins, Texans-Giants, and Saints-Steelers. That is easily your marquee 1 o'clock game. Most of the country will get that game. And the way the Vikings looked in Week 1 against the Green Bay Packers, I think they're going to have that division almost locked up by Week 11. It will feel like the Vikings are clearly the best team in that division. Continuing on, Real quick before we hit a break here, the NFC. I, I don't want to say it's wide open, but you look through the scores of Week One and a lot of stuff that a lot of people were feeling, came true. A lot of what the initial beliefs about the NFC wound up being as close to correct as many people thought going into it. We'll touch on that when we come back here on the Nightcap on WGR. Welcome back to the Nightcap here on WGR. Zach Jones along with you. We spent a little bit of time talking about the AFC week one kind of reactions. What we learned a little bit from that. What I learned at least from the AFC during week one. Broncos disappointing. Raiders disappointing. Ravens eh, put some injuries. Chiefs and Bills look spectacular. The Chargers just a leg below them. And then kind of everybody else. Miami. Miami you played the Patriots, but you only scored 20 points and the Patriots looked terrible. All the Patriots look so bad. I'm so happy about that. I, I, I felt really good about that this year going into the season, but there was like a part of me. that was like terrified because I built somewhat of my idea on this whole season that, that the Patriots were going to be terrible. So I'm glad I, at least I was somewhat proven correctly, at least through one week to the NFC though. I think the NFC proved a lot of things correct that a lot of pundits and talking points were, were were having about the NFC as a conference, really except one thing, and that was the 49ers and the Bears. Now this game is one of the traditional Week One games that I'm going to look at and kind of not have an asterisk on it, but definitely look at it and go, mm, I don't know, I don't know. It was a monsoon. You know, yes, the Bears win 19-10 and they perform better in that weather than the 49ers did, but if that game was played at, you know, typical week one weather, which is, you know, 70 and sunny, I think the 49ers roll. I just don't think the Bears have the talent. I love Justin Fields. I don't think it's his fault. I just, I think the Bears do not have the talent. They are well within their rebuild right now. They are looking forward to this offseason when they have the most cap space in the NFL. However, if you're the Bears and you can build up a few of these like marquee wins and sort of like you can hang your cap on a little bit, more power to you. If you're the 49ers, however, oof. And if you're Trey Lance, you need to have a good game next week. You have to. I think. I think. But that's kind of the assumption, right? Jimmy Garoppolo's still on the roster. That's really your first start in terms of like this is your team now. I think he had two starts last year due to injury with Garoppolo, but now. This is his first start where it's your team, big man. This, this is your team. And he did not play particularly well. Neither did the interior defensive or offensive line. So the running game really never got off the ground. But Trey Lance himself did not play great. The one big 1 o'clock game of the NFC I was really paying attention to, I had red zone on, but I was really glued into, was the Philadelphia and Detroit Lions game. and ended up 38-35 Eagles. But, man, I feel like I was correct on both teams. Even though, of course, like the Lions lost. They feel like a quarterback away. They feel like a CJ Stroud, Will Levis, Bryce Young, whoever, you know, pick your fancy there, away from really being a fun team in the NFC, being one of the fun young teams in the NFC. And the Eagles, that addition of A.J. Brown, I've been saying it, I've been banging the drum of A.J. Brown for the last two weeks leading up to the season. He is a difference maker. He is an alpha wide receiver. He is the kind of guy you build your wide receiver room around, not get rid of because you have to pay him. The Tennessee Titans run their operations like they're in the 70s, and I don't understand it. I don't know how you could have looked at A.J. Brown and thought we cannot pay him like a number one receiver. The Eagles got away with highway robbery here. Jalen Hurts, I think, is a fine quarterback. They can be pretty darn solid in this league. He started 0-5 to start the game, but ultimately he he ends the game, I think, with over 60% completion percentage on his throws. It was more just he started off 0-5. But it's more the fact that when you added in the fact that there was an actual threat in the wide receiver room, I think Devonta Smith is going to make his his own. He, He only had four targets, no catches in this first game. I do still believe in him, but more A.J. Brown to this point. When you added in that threat that he was, and he was, 10 touch or ten receptions and 155 yards, he was a threat every time they had the ball on offense. It allowed your rushing attack to absolutely flourish. Miles Sanders, who was kind of a forgotten guy last year, had no touchdowns, was sort of like a diet version of Saquon Barkley. Fun rookie year. You really were excited. You know, Saquon's more elite. Oh my gosh, he might be the best running back in football. But Sanders was fun, you were looking forward to year two, and it just hasn't gotten off to the right foot. And now, to start the year, 13 rushes, 96 yards, and a touchdown. Jalen Hurts himself, 17 rushes, 90 yards, and a touchdown. The Lions could do nothing, though, with Hurts running the ball. They could do absolutely nothing with him running the ball. He was spectacular to watch. And on the Lions' side... Goff to me is just not it. I I've had my issues with Goff. I I I don't know if I've ever said it on air, but this is how I feel. I think Kirk Cousins is just a better version of Jared Goff. Which is why I was excited about the uh, the Viking season this year because you get the Rams offensive coordinator, he worked under Sean McVay, he becomes the Vikings head coach. They're not, you know, depleted of talent. I think the Vikings are a very talented team. I think now we could be in for very much a career year of Kirk Cousins where He maybe, you know, messes around and has 35 to 38 touchdown passes and a winning record. He's not throwing those when they're behind and he's just, well, Kirk, you got to go. We got, we got to score quick and he gets garbage time touchdowns. I think a lot of it this year could be, you know, the Vikings in the lead. I think they're, they could be a 12, 13 win team in a very depleted NFC, but looking at the line, some of the positives, Deandre Swift is a superstar. He is an absolute superstar. 15 rushes, 144 yards, and a touchdown. And then Jamal Williams, he just gets touchdowns. He, only, he had 11 rushes, 28 yards, but he got two touchdowns. And he had one at the goal line where he just slammed into the, into the Eagles defensive line, pushed back a little bit, the, the defensive line fell forward, and he just kind of walked in to the end zone. It was phenomenal. Amon St. Brown is someone I think is going to have a huge Year number two, eight catches, 64 yards. He had a touchdown. DJ Chark had a really nice touchdown as well. Defense, they didn't do a ton. TJ, uh, um, excuse me. Um, TJ Hawkinson didn't really do much, you know, tight end. He's fine. I think he could break into the next group. I think Kyle Pitts in the NFC is going to be probably the better of the tight, the young tight ends, I guess. Kyle Pitts just does more. Aiden Hutchinson, the number two overall pick, he didn't really do much. He had, you know, one joint tackle. And that was kind of about it. Looking over to the other teams in the NFC East, talked we talked about the Giants yesterday, so I'm going to kind of leave them alone. I think it was just it was great for Dable to get that win and what they did. But looking at the Washington Commanders, they start the year off one and zero. They beat the Jacksonville Jaguars, a team I thought the Jaguars would win this game, and partially it was because I just can't you can't pay me to believe in Carson Wentz. But like two weeks ago, I looked at his stats and there was something about it that was just like, all right, a few years ago, he was dynamite. I thought he was on the verge of being a league quarterback. I thought he was going to win the MVP in 2017 if he didn't get hurt. Well, with Washington in his first game, he had two picks. Both were boneheaded, but he had over 300 yards and four touchdowns and two of them were to take the lead. He was out there gunslinging. Terry McLaurin only had four targets, two catches, but 58 yards and a touchdown. Curtis Samuel was kind of the start of this game. Eight catches, 55 yards and a touchdown. And Jahan Dotson, the rookie out of Penn State, he's targeted five times. He gets three catches, but two of those are for touchdowns. And I think really what's going to be fun to see in the NFC too, or at least the NFC East, the Cowboys are going to be bad. The Cowboys are going to be really bad. Especially with Dak out. Jerry Jones made comments. I don't know if, if you haven't heard, Jerry Jones, the Cowboys owner, made mention that well, you know, he actually thinks Dak's going to be, you know, all good to go in four weeks. And, you know, they're feeling a lot better today than they did yesterday. He just had a surgically repaired thumb on his throwing hand. I, there's no way he's going out there in a month and it looks anything good at all. We saw this last year with Russell Wilson with a similar hand injury. You cannot rush that. They don't, guys don't come back correct especially quarterbacks, their right hand or left hand, if you're Tua to Tagovailoa, is so important to them. It needs to be 110% healthy. That arm, hand, whatever you want, all of it, needs to be 100% healthy. If it's not, it, there is a clear difference. And when you look at the Cowboys themselves, there's a clear difference and a stark difference in the talent they have now to when they had last year. Amari Cooper is going to be missed dearly. Michael Gallup, we have no idea what he looks like after his torn ACL. And CeeDee Lamb, he's never reached his peak at Oklahoma. He came out of that draft potentially the best receiver of that class. He has never touched that. He's gotten close. He has had moments where he's looked great. But I've still yet to think that's a number one wide receiver in the NFL. I've yet to get there. And now for, well, at least a month, I guess, they're going to have Cooper Rush at quarterback. And I like nothing about that. They get the Bengals next week. I think that's easily a loss. Then they get the Giants. That could be a toss-up. And then they get the aforementioned Washington Commanders, who apparently, Carson Wentz, might mess around this year and have a pretty darn good season. Over 300 yards, four touchdown passes, two picks were bad. That's kind of what you're going to get with Carson Wentz. But if he can actually have a really solid season this year, maybe you know, getting off to a hot start is what he needed. Maybe, but it's definitely going to be interesting to find out a few other NFC teams as well. The Panthers, Matt rule needs to go. They are offensive to offensive football. As an owner of Christian McCaffrey in two of my fantasy leagues, I need him gone. There's nothing Matt rule does, right? There's just not the Panthers don't look competitive a lot of the time. The Browns are starting a backup quarterback in Jacoby Brissett who, while Jacoby Brissett's a guy that you want on your team, he's very rarely ever a guy you want starting games. And yet they get a win out of that off a great kick from Cade York, their rookie kicker. They get a win there. Good for them. I do want to touch on the Buccaneers a little bit. I talked a little bit about the Cowboys. I don't really touch on the Buccaneers very much. I don't like them. And it's not because of Brady. I'm talking more like, I just, there's something about them that I don't like. I felt this way with Denver too. And with with the Bucs, I can more pinpoint it. It's the offensive line. It just keeps getting hurt. But then, you know, you watch the game against Dallas and Leonard Fournette absolutely torched their run defense. 21 rushes, 127 yards. He was really, I mean, he was the focal point of that offense. Brady only threw for 212 yards. But for the most part, I just there's something about the box that I just this year I don't know. I think a part of it is is I believe Brady's heart's not into it. I think he came back and and that was kind of like a half measure. He didn't really think that one through. I don't I, it, at least to me and that's sort of my perception that he just didn't really think the whole retiring and coming back all the way through. Todd Bowles I like as a head coach, but I think he's getting kind of served a raw situation. Bruce Arians probably should still be the head coach. He's not. That feels wrong. In a lot of ways, of, of the way he left, there's something off there. There's something off there, but they're still probably the team that's going to wind up winning the NFC South. They're going to probably make it to the NFC Championship game, if not the NFL, or the NFC Divisional game. And it's going to be frustrating because I, I, there's a few teams in the NFC I like. I, you know, after you know, I've mentioned them a lot the last few weeks, the Eagles and the Vikings I think are going to be two teams that are going to be really, really fun to watch this year. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we'll wrap up the nightcap, and we'll talk a little bit about some of the injury news we got today across the NFL. We'll do that when we come back here on the nightcap on WGR. Welcome back to the nightcap here on WGR. Last segment here of the night as we wrap up a Tuesday. That's some injury news yesterday. Or well, I guess today, yesterday, all that stuff. Kind of want to go through just because a lot of it is going to play some major ramifications to the season. Of course, the big one in the AFC Steelers linebacker TJ Watt, he suffered a torn pectoral muscle. However, it was reported today he did not, in fact, tear the tendon, so it will only be a six-week rehab and no surgery would be required because really he is the only reason to watch the Steelers. It's not even close. He's the only reason to watch. Everything else about the Steelers just feels archaic. It feels like they're just grinding out. Even losses, it feels like they're grinding them out. But against the Cincinnati Bengals, they needed all five turnovers and overtime to win that game. That cannot be a sustainable way to win. It's just, it's just flat out not. I'm not a Kenny Pickett believer, but I'm at the point, I kind of just want to see Kenny Pickett. And I like Mitch Trubisky, but it showed. It showed. That every time you would turn on the Red Zone channel, it felt like every time you were turning it on, Cincinnati had the ball back, and Pittsburgh had not scored off of one of these picks. One of the fumbles. It's just not sustainable. So they need T.J. Watt back as quickly as humanly possible. Now, the big injury, this one happened last night. Jamal Adams, bit of an overrated safety, but still, I mean, one of the major known names of you know the NFL, especially on the defense. Looks like he may have suffered a serious torn quad injury. P. Carroll was not really happy about it. He called the injury serious. That one could be big. And then, of course, the big one from today, just overall, uh, Dak Prescott. He had surgery today on his fractured thumb. He's not going to be put on IR, though. Jerry Jones confirmed that he does uh, radio spots in Dallas with one of the local stations there. I'm blanking on which station it is, but he does local or he does weekly appearances on that show, and he said he's not going to put him on IR. But as I, I mentioned last segment, there's no way Dak's going to be right in a month. There's, there's simply no way he's going to be right. We saw it last year with Russell Wilson. Those hand injuries need time to heal. They need to be 100%. Because if not, it is going to show. And like I was saying, the Cowboys roster is just not good enough and and that's always going to be my my thing with the Cowboys is I think they've started to believe their own BS with the media and, and with everything that was well, this Dallas this year. here. I think they've started to actually kind of buy into that themselves. The Jones family. Cause most of them basically run the team along with Jerry, because there's no way you look at that roster and think this is the year guys. This is the year they're going to make the super bowl. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Even with Dak, I thought it was gonna be a challenge let alone win a game or two, make the make an NFC title game. I think most Cowboys fans would take that at this point of just making the NFC title game. But now, Dak should be out at least eight weeks. There's no way he's going to be seriously healthy enough to come back in four weeks to justify any of this. Because there's a good chance they'll be 0-4, and, and what's he walking into? What's he supposed to do there? Yes, for the most part, I think you can make the playoffs in the NFC at 9-8. and eight. But what's the point? I am kind of at that point of tank. Get an elite offensive lineman. Get another receiver. Get an elite cornerback. Something to add that extra juice to your team. Because right now, Dallas is all talk and absolutely no bite. Outside of a few guys. Micah Parsons to name one. I like Dak Prescott, but I think there's a ceiling there with him. And then the fact that their owner wants to come out and still believe that they were, that their team goes to the run game is just abhorrent to me. It makes zero sense in the world. And they're going to be consistently a team under Jones's ownership that they just, they're never going to be able to get over that hump. Now that they don't have that coach that ultimately Jerry didn't like in Jerry Jones or in uh in, um, not Jerry Jones. I am blanking on his name. Um, but they got that's where they got the Super Bowls. That's how they did it, was having a coach that was not a yes-man. But ultimately, Jimmy Johnson, there we go. It just came to me. It totally just came to me. But Jimmy Johnson, they both start with J's, literally their entire names. But Jimmy Johnson did not just follow the role of, I'm a head coach, but this is Jerry Jones' team. He was an innovator. He was a renegade. He always was, including at the University of Miami. Mike McCarthy, not a renegade, not an innovator, not someone that's really going to get people excited to watch the team. Jason Garrett, please get out of here with that. Oh, the fact that he's on television makes zero sense in the world. Zero sense. He's one of the most boring people to listen to, and he offered nothing as a head coach. The last time this team really had a serious coach was Bill Parcells, and that was at the end of his career. The Cowboys, to me, hopefully at, by the end of this year, will kind of officially just not be America's team anymore because they haven't for a long time. But hopefully now it'll start to become you know, obvious that they're just not that good. And if Dable and Shane are able to turn around the Giants, they're going to be the third best run team in the division. And they're only third because Washington is truly one of the worst run organizations in all of sports. That's going to do it here on the nightcap. I'm Zach Jones. I'll be back tomorrow. We'll show the Bulldogs starting at 3, and we will have the nightcap again tomorrow night starting at 7. However, on Thursday, no nightcap because the Sabres will be starting their prospects tournament. They'll be taking on the Montreal Canadiens, so that will be there instead of the nightcap. But that'll do it here for the night. Thank you for listening. This has been the nightcap on WGR.